But through all these conversations, through all these interactions, I learned what people actually did want. And I stumbled onto this audience-first philosophy and strategy and approach. Hey, podcast listener, you're about to discover insider tips, tricks, and secrets to making more sales and converting more prospects into customers with email marketing. For more information about the email marketing podcast or the autoresponder guy, go to dropdeadcopy.com slash podcast. It's Tom McIntyre and we are the autoresponder guy. It's time for episode 8 of the customers in less time with less effort with less money plus you'll learn how to make more money with them all with all sorts of cool little tactics and strategies now today i'll be talking to danny inney danny inney is from firepole marketing he is the audience guy and he teaches you know a lot of people teach you to build a product and then go find an audience to sell it to danny does it the other way around he teaches you to go and get go and get an audience and then get a product Okay, and I think that's really it's a really great way to do it because look, you know, you have a great product, but if there's no one to sell it to, no one's going to buy it. Okay, whereas if you have you know, have an audience first, you can build a list. There's a whole bunch of ways to get that audience, and then you can find out what they need, what problems they have, and create a product they want to buy, which is a much easier strategy to perform, but it's a little bit counterintuitive. Okay, so we're going to talk today about the short-term versus long-term thinking that drives that thinking, that drives that strategy. To get the show notes for this episode of the McMethod Marketing Podcast, go to themcmethod.com slash 87. Okay, one more thing. We've got the McMaster's Insight of the Week this week. is uh, really cool. I love this one. Opportunistic... Oh, the, the question is really, do you want to be opportunistic or do you want to focus down? Okay. You know, one year ago, I, uh, you know, I was, I was been in Bangkok for a conference. Okay. I just come back to Thailand. Uh, so back, back, just back to Chiang Mai. And I realized that I was focusing on like four or five different projects, five, four or five different, you know, separate businesses. And I was trying to do this and trying to do that. And I heard about supplements and I heard about e- e-commerce and drop shipping. And I want to do this email marketing thing. And I realized that I was just chasing the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. I was Every time I heard a good idea, every time I heard a story from someone who was making money, I'd be like, ooh, that sounds great. I'm going to go and do that. But I wouldn't make any proper progress on any of them. I'd, yeah, I'd make some small progress, but you know, I'd go and do, say, you know, some Amazon stuff for a little bit. I'd do, you know, make some headway, make some gains, but then I'd, be like, then I'd hear about the excitement would wear off, and then I'd hear about a better idea, a more exciting idea, and then I'd jump off and do the next thing. And one thing that really changed my business and, and especially improved it was realizing that that sort of opportunistic thinking is, is cancer to success. Okay, Let me say that again. Opportunistic thinking, like jumping from opportunity to opportunity, is cancer to a business. Okay, In other words... If you're trying to get somewhere with business, and this could be this, you know, this applies if you're a freelancer and you're just getting started. This applies, you know, maybe you're already making a lot of money. You could, because you could be opportunistic in terms of multiple businesses, or you could just be opportunistic about multiple projects within the business. Maybe you're trying to focus on five, ten different areas when you should really focus on one or two. One thing that's really changed for me and really, you know, changed the way I do business and improve things is, is just focusing down. I mean, this is part of like the autoresponder guy thing. This is, uh, you know, combining all the products that I have into a community called McMasters. This is just simplifying things so I can focus and, and deliver a huge amount of impact in one or two key areas. And it makes it much easier to make an impact. Okay. So the suggestion today, if you're listening to this is, you know, if you are, stop being opportunistic, whether you're, you know, whether you are at the beginning of the journey, or whether you're already in business, stop focusing on, you know, five things, 10 things, figure out a couple things that are extremely high impact, extremely high leverage, and go, you know, explode like a freaking bomb in those areas. 
Okay, that's what you want to do. Okay, if you want more insights like this, you need to join McMaster's. McMaster's, it's a private training community, which is really about how to build your business, how to grow it. It started being about uh, email marketing, so how to write an autoresponder, and that's in there. But uh, what I've realized is that the needs of the people who join is, uh, I mean, like with Danny Eni, like it's about the audience. It's not just about the autoresponder. It's really, you know, if you join, you don't want just an autoresponder. You want a sales funnel. You want an automated marketing system that runs 24-7 to convert your prospects and leads into paying customers, and that also cranks the value of those customers up. So that's what McMaster's is all about. There's a forum, there's webinars, there's training product, a bunch of stuff in there. If you want to learn more about it, go to themcmethod.com slash McMaster's. Cool. Well, let's get into it. That's uh, that's it for now. Let's get in, into the interview with Mr. Danny Enny. It's John McIntyre here, the autoresponder guy. I'm here with Danny Eney from firepolemarketing.com. Now, Danny is known as the Freddy Krueger of blogging. He's the founder of Firepole Marketing. He's got a couple best-selling books, Engagement from Scratch and the Creator of the Audience Business Masterclass Training Program. So today, I thought to get him on. Someone mentioned him recently in an email to me, and I thought, why not get him on the show and talk about what he's known for, which is really uh, how to build an audience first. So you might have a product, or you might want to create a product, but instead of going down that road, you know what Danny suggests and what he teaches is to go down the road of building an audience first, but to go into it beyond just building a Twitter, you know, a Twitter following or a Facebook page. Uh, that it's it's much more of it's much deeper than that. That's what we're going to talk about today. So we'll get into that in just a minute. Danny, how are you doing today? I'm great. I'm really excited to be on the call with you. Good to have you on here, man. And you're in the middle of a launch. We were just chatting. You're uh, you're good, like what neck deep in the middle of a whole bunch of webinars and emails going out, and it's uh, sounds quite busy over there. Yeah, well, we we're, we're usually in the middle of one launch or another. It's uh, it, we keep things pretty busy around here. But yeah, it's been uh, it's been a hectic uh, and exciting last uh, five weeks or so for us. Nice, nice. Okay. Well, before we get into some of the uh, the audience building stuff, the strategy and the philosophy and the tactics, uh, can you give? I've given the listener a sort of a very quick. Uh, background on who you are. Can you give the listener a bit more of an overview on who you are and what you do? Um, sure. So I run a company called Firepole Marketing and we teach, you know, we started out very much like a lot of online marketing, blog sites, you know, organizations, etc. Just teaching marketing through a blog, through through an online context, had a general kind of marketing training course. And like most online entrepreneurs, we weren't nearly as smart as we thought we were. So you know, we, we got into this. I, I really knew exactly what I thought people needed. So I created the course and I was like, how am I going to get the word out? How am I going to sell it? And in the process of looking for, you know, all the different ways to get the word out about what I'm doing, I stumbled onto guest posting. And I, you know, got a post published on Copyblogger. I got another one published on Problogger. I thought I was getting some good exposure, good traction. So I totally threw myself into it. And in the first year, this was 2011, I wrote over 80 guest posts for major blogs. And people started noticing me on you know, all these different major blogs and started leaving comments saying, you know, wow, Danny, wherever I turn, you're there. It's like you're Freddy Krueger. And that's how I became known as the Freddy Krueger of blogging. The name stuck. Uh, very, very ironically, I've never in my life seen a Freddy Krueger movie, but you know, the, the name stuck. And in doing this, a lot of people kind of discovered my work and, and an audience started to form. And because of just my, my natural, like this didn't start out um, as a strategy. You know, it, it, success is often, in hindsight, it seems very premeditated. Um, but just a personal, like, personality quirk of mine is that I'm kind of very mildly obsessive compulsive. Like, not enough to be diagnosed, but enough that, you know, my desk is usually clean and organized, papers are always at right angles, like that kind of stuff. And so when someone emails me, I respond quickly because it's, it's a to-do. I want to get it done. I want to get out of my inbox. 
And I kind of developed a reputation for being very responsive by email. Like anyone in my audience would email me, I'd respond always within 24 hours. And this big relationship started to develop between me and the audience. And through all these conversations, I started to learn a lot about what people wanted, what questions they were asking, what their real needs were. And I found that, first of all, that, you know, the big training product I had built once upon a time, this massive overview course about how to do marketing, which is a great course for what it is, you know, never sold well because it's not what people are asking for. But through all these conversations, through all these interactions, I learned what people actually did want. And I kind of stumbled onto and, and you know paid attention and learned along the way as I went, I stumbled onto this audience first philosophy and strategy and approach that we've applied now with, um, first of all, the growth of our business. We went from you know starting at zero in January of 2011. Now we're doing about a million and a half dollars a year and, and growing pretty fast. There's 15 people on my team. So I mean, we've grown pretty quickly and we've applied this to the development and launch of what will soon be three um, blockbuster training programs. The first was Write Like Freddy, a program about blog writing that was very much created in response to tons of people emailing me and asking me, how do you write so much? How do you get on all these major blogs? And if people were asking me for it, then Clearly, there's demand, and so I created it. Then the Audience Business Masterclass, very much about how to do what we had done in building this business driven by an audience. People asked the questions that indicated there was demand, and then I actually created it. And this new product that we're going to be launching in January, the Course Builders Laboratory, is really about how to build a training program that people love and appreciate and get value from and, and want to buy and consume based on indicated demand in the market. So basically, you know, taking what we had done successfully and teaching other people how to do the same. We've done this in a lot of different niches, markets, industries, etc. All about connecting with an audience, engaging an audience, listening to what they tell you and letting that be your North Star in building and planning your business. Right, right, okay. I love how this is popping up a lot. Like you've seen, I've seen with um, like Dean Maxwell and the foundation and you've got um, some of the startup community, where, like the lean startup where there's this big focus, like right now entrepreneurship and especially online, but I think just in general is that everyone's catching on to this idea that, that it, there's never really been a better time to start a business. But what that means is a lot of people get into the game thinking that, well, they'll just create a product first and then go find some people to sell it to. And what that's leading to is obviously that's, that's it's that you know, those people have got the, the picture the wrong way around or the strategy the wrong way around so then out of that need I suppose out of the people that you know created that demographic that don't really know the process is coming this market for stuff like what you're teaching where it's not about the product it's not about really the you know whether it's a PDF or an ebook or a, uh, videos or anything like that everything starts with understanding you know who the prospect is who the audience is what problems they have and then creating something that fits them uh, like a glove because like you said you've got a program that's you know it's a great course it's uh, probably very helpful but because that's not what people are looking for. It doesn't sell well. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely right. And, and underlying all of that, because you know, you've got to absolutely gather from the audience, from the market, what is it that they want? Because that's the only, and what they want and what you think they need are often very different things. But underlying that is you need to have a strong relationship with the audience because otherwise they're not going to tell you. Right. So is this something you is this something you do from like you know you teach to like to before they even start in business to go and build an audience and say start blogging or guest posting or podcasting like this and then to start surveying their audience and finding out you know what products they need or what products you can create or is this something you know as a strategy is this something you teach to people who are already in business or is it both? It's it's both. So we work from people where they are. So there's the kind of best case scenario and then there's how it usually plays out. The best case scenario is that someone comes to us right at the beginning. They're like, I think I want to start an online business, but I'm not sure how, and you know, I want to learn how to do it. 
And probably about half of the students that we work with, or close to half of the students we work with, fall into that category. And we work with them from kind of day one, from ground zero, and build something amazing and successful together, which is great. But a lot of people have, you know, we're not the very first thing that they've ever seen in the world of online marketing. They've, you know, had other ideas. They're, they're you know, the, the, the natural process of entrepreneurship is you have an idea and you go out and you do it and then you start learning more. Um, entrepreneurs tend to be learn-as-you-go kind of people. So often we meet and connect with entrepreneurs who are further along. They've, they've built a website or a blog or a business and it's kind of stalled. It's not getting the results they want and they're not sure why. And then we teach them how to work through our process to fix things from the ground up and go from there. So ideally, you want to start out and get everything right the first time. But, you know, you work from where you are. We, we've got to play the cards that were dealt right 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 okay so what's what's i'm curious like what because I, I mean i made this mistake i've made this mistake before in the past just kind of going and making product and trying to sell it and what i've noticed actually i've you know been doing some um, advertising campaigns on facebook recently and one thing that that surprised me and uh, it makes so much sense to me now but but doing the uh, the testing and and you know basically testing different products different offers it's interesting to see that you know you can change the headline and change the video and change the you know the price and uh, you know the delivery of the product and all the different things like that but the problem is if you're not selling something that people want to buy it's not going to sell I mean it's not going to sell that well you could have great copy you know a great copywriter a fantastic video sales letter and and just all the you know the whole thing the whole shebang but mm -hmm. if you're not selling something that people want they're just not going to buy it. And how that played out for me was I noticed that, you know, I've got how-to information, training programs that teach people how to write emails and how to, uh, you know, how to email their list and how to write an autoresponder and how to make sales and all that. And that's great. And some people do want to do that. But then a larger part of the uh, the audience just wants a template. They can fill in the blanks. Mm -hmm. The template's not as good as emails written by them, but um, it requires zero effort. You know, go in, fill the blanks, upload it to their thing. So now it's, it's you know, I've noticed by selling templates, and I've seen this recently with uh, a launch that Ryan Dice has been doing, with uh, the machine where they're, they're really stressing this angle of templates and uh, to me that was just a classic example of seeing you know you've got in the grand scheme of things these people would be better off if they learn how to write their own emails but the fact of the matter is they'd rather just fill out a template so that's what they're going to buy more of so it's interesting mm -hmm. you start to kind of think more like a um, this is like the difference between thinking like an entrepreneur and thinking like a I guess a product creator because an entrepreneur says what do people want to buy and then goes and creates that and it's honestly it's very difficult like it requires a lot of humility which is something that you know I, I don't always excel at <laughs> to really kind of shut up and put aside your preconceptions and listen without kind of applying that extra layer of your knowledge and expertise to filter through what people are saying to, you know, oh, well, this means that they really need this. You know, if I know that they're struggling with A and B and C, but if they knew, you know, how to write emails properly, that wouldn't be an issue. So that's what they need to learn. It's very, very hard for us to step away from that. Hmm. What sort of mistakes do you see people making when they're, I mean, when they're getting started? Obviously, the, the big grand mistake is thinking about the product before they, uh, you know, go and talk to the audience. But what, uh, you know, when you're training, you know, working with someone or, or, you know, when you look at some of the people using your products, what are some of the mistakes that people make with this strategy? Well, you've got to think about not just what mistakes they make, but why do they make the mistakes? Um, a great example, a great way to illustrate this is um, I attended a behavioral design class about six months ago or something. And it was basically about how do you create the behaviors you want in your life. So they gave the example of, let's say that you want to get up early. You want to start your days earlier. And what a lot of people say, well, I get up too late. I need to find different ways of waking myself up in the morning. So maybe I need a better alarm clock, a better you know, system for, for how to get myself out of bed, etc. But really, if you want to get up earlier in the morning, you've got to go to bed earlier at night. And to go to bed earlier at night, you've got to start your evening routine earlier. So you've probably got to have dinner earlier. 
So to have dinner earlier, you've got to kind of clock out of work a little bit earlier to head home. And that's really where it actually starts. And so if you look at kind of what is the problem, like the symptom, then it's very hard to solve. So you've got to look at the root cause. Okay, so I like in, in the case of kind of people trying to get their online businesses going, the mistake people make is that they rush to create a product. Um, they rush to create a product. They just want to put it out there, try to sell it. But if you look back to why do people make this mistake, it usually comes down to the fact that they don't have an audience. They don't have that group of people who can give them input into what they want and need. And the reason for that is that people don't plan a proper runway in terms of building and launching their business. And, and the classic example of this, you see this in the restaurant industry all the time. Um, not that I work with a lot of restaurants, I just, you know, you see them out there. A lot of restaurants start up and then they go out of business within three to six months. And the reason for that is that they did their planning, they created their business plan, they figured out, you know, what's it going to cost to operate their business, how much money are they going to make with a certain number of customers in the door, etc. And so they raise all their money to, to buy the franchise license and do the renovations and buy their equipment, all that stuff. But they don't account for the fact that they're not going to be working at full-time capacity from day one. Hmm. It's probably going to take six to 12 months. And so they don't have that financial runway to build up to the results they want. A lot of people start an online business at a point where they're kind of thinking, okay, you know what, I'm desperate. I quit my job. I don't have any savings in the bank. I've got to make rent next month. What can I do online that's going to make money today? And the reality is that there, there are exceptions. There are ways that you can get lucky. And certainly, you know, if you're very experienced and you know the space, there are things you can do, but they're rare and they're hard. The reality is that building something successful does take time. We tell our students in our masterclass, that, look, you know, building a, a business that is generating a comfortable revenue, comfortable, comfortable income, you're looking at probably a year. And we guarantee to students in our, in our audience business masterclass, if they put in the time, which is 10 to 20 hours a week, they do the work, they reach out to us when they need help, we guarantee that they'll be earning at least three to $6,000 per month consistently, sustainably, and growing by the end of the first year. And if not, we'll give them their money back. We'll even give them an extra $1,000 out of my pocket. That's how much, how confident I am that they can get those results. But it could and may take most of the year to get there. So if you're kind of in a point where you're thinking, you know, how am I going to pay next month's rent? We tell them explicitly, this is not it. And in the time frame of building and starting and launching a business, like that's not such a long time. But if you go into it saying, what can I do that'll make me money tomorrow? You're kind of setting yourself up to fail because you don't have time to connect with an audience and engage with them and learn what they want and build relationships. You can't gather that real insight into what it is that people want and need and how you can help them. And so you, you can't do any of that. And that's why you jump straight to, you know, I've got to launch a product. But, so the mistake is people jump straight to, you know, I want to launch a product instead of I want to build an audience and learn what they need. But the reason for that is that people kind of make their plans at a point where they're like, you know, okay, I'm done. I can't take another minute in this day job. I'm not going to save any money. I've, I've just got to make money tomorrow. I've got to make money yesterday. And you can build huge success and, and great sustainable freedom online. I don't know that it's necessarily the best or easiest place to make money really, really fast. Mm. This is one of those things that, I, you know, for me, it's taken taken a while to, to get drilled into me. And it's, it's I, I suppose it's really this year when I've started to think more long term. But at least initially, that's where, you know, that's a lot of times where the hype comes from. You've got books like the four-hour work week and, you know, some of the sort of spammy uh, internet marketing stuff you see out there that, that promises to make, you know, $3,000 a day in the next two weeks or something. And uh, so, it, you know, it gets people you know, their eyes glowing, thinking that they're going to be rich uh, in a very, very short period of time. But mm -hmm. the the problem is that, I mean, it's not that, like, once you get going, once you have a good business and you can scale, you can, you know, you can make money very quickly. But if you're starting, you've got no experience in business, you don't have any capital at all, you don't have any um, 
I mean, that's the main thing. No capital and no experience. It's going to take time. And especially mm. like that first $100 online and then that first $1,000 online, that's going to be some of the hardest money you ever, you know, worked to earn. Once you get to that, it gets a bit easier. And I think, you know, say the first $100,000 you earn is, is probably, uh, you know, is easier than the, the first million dollars and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and if you think about it, if you look at the history of kind of the online marketing quote-unquote industry. It's really more of a cottage industry, but, you know, our industry, as, as we call it, it's a very young industry, right? We're looking at 10, 15 years old, not much more than that. And because whenever you have a new industry, right, you're, you're going you're to have a gold rush. We saw this with the actual gold rush, you know, back in, in the States, however long ago, like lots of people just, you know, rushed in because, oh my God, big opportunity. We saw it with the online world. We saw it with the App Store. We saw it with uh, Kindle. Whenever you've got a new space, you're going to have a gold rush because it's new. Um, the first people in are likely to do very well just because they have an enormous share of voice because there's hardly anyone else there. It's very unregulated, relatively speaking. It's the Wild West. You know, you can, there are tons of loopholes on Google that you can exploit and so forth. And so that kind of environment will usually attract, first of all, it'll, it will attract smart, you know, opportunistic entrepreneurs, but it's also going to attract a lot of people who happen to be in the right place in the right time and catches their eye and, you know, they make a quick dollar and they're like, hey, I can do all this. I, why, why not sell it to other people too? You know, it's always easier to, to sell shovels than to dig for gold. <laughs> and so that's what a lot of people do. And they sell this dream of, you know, yeah, you can make money in your sleep, in your pajamas, from um, from you know your your tropical island under and <laughs> which is by the way which is total baloney because you know those places never had good have good Wi-Fi. Well, and I don't the know. Sun, I live in Thailand, so there's Wi-Fi in some of the islands here. Yeah. <laughs> so it's 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 just a set of, of unrealistic expectations, and most of those things you can make money that way, but that's not a business. Like taking advantage of some loophole on Google to do arbitrage to you know run traffic to this thing and then get you know get get revenue from ads and until the loophole closes, that's not a business. It's a scheme, and it might make money for a little while till the loophole closes, but there's, there's nothing sustainable there. And there's a real, you see a lot of people who kind of rise to stardom. They launch their like product, teaching their, their instant magic formula for getting rich. And then the loophole closes, and they disappear and are gone. And it's not a real business, as opposed to people who are working at it for a long time, selling the same stuff for year after year because it's good and it's solid and it works. And building out a real business, they do. You know, it's not one guy with two virtual assistants, you know, doing high six figures and kind of holding their business together with duct tape. It's it's a real business with real people, real systems, etc. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is because it's a young industry. Like, you know, give it another five, ten years, the industry's got to grow up. Well, I, you know, it'd be interesting to see if that happens. And I think there'll always be these people just because online, like you can go and register a domain for ten bucks, and then you know, you're in business in a sense. Um, mm -hmm. But this is partly like, you know, I remember me initially, like when I was back in, I'm from Sydney, Australia. So when I'm there and I've got a job working in a call center, I'm sitting there thinking, well, you know, it'd be great if I could just make, say, 400 bucks a month or maybe a thousand bucks and I could quit my job and I could just do nothing or, or I could, then I could just work. But at least initially, often, unless you know, I find for me, like unless you, until you meet uh, successful people who are making a lot of money, you see how normal they are. They're not crazy. They're not, uh, you know, especially gifted or anything, just normal people. And often I find some of them uh, not even that smart. Um, mm -hmm. There's a lot of intelligent people who don't make much money and vice versa. But for me, I found until I started to meet people who were far more successful than I was, it was very hard to imagine myself in their position. So making $1,000 a month online with some you know, loophole on Google AdWords, that sounded like a great 
you know, mm-hmm. a, a great opportunity because, you know, there's this sort of limiting belief that, I, you know, I can't really be, a, it's not a conscious thing, but there's this limiting thing where like, oh, I'm not really a business guy. I can't have a big business. But I'm finding what's happening with me and I'm seeing this happen with friends who've, uh, you know, watching their businesses grow as well is as you, as you hit these goals and you knock them down and you start making more money, you gradually start thinking bigger and bigger, especially when you start spending time with people who are far more successful than you are. So it's, I find this topic fascinating, man, because this is like, if you could, if you can unlock this barrier, like the tactics as far as how to actually build the audience, how to build a product and how to actually make money in it, that, that comes relatively easy once you can get rid of that mental baggage that stops you from really thinking big and thinking long term. Mm-hmm. And, and that kind of relative frame of reference, it really, it does a number on you at two levels, right? The first is that when you're just getting started, we all do a kind of mental discounting. You know, you see the, the big expert that you're looking up to and he's making, uh, I don't know, he's doing $50,000 a month in revenue, let's say. And we all do a mental discounting where we look at the leader in our industry and we say, well, I mean, you know, they're, they're amazing. They're so smart. You know, I don't think I'm like that. But if I can do just 10% of that, then I'm still doing well. Right, so we take that and we kind of look at just 10%. The problem is that business models don't work at different scales. You can't take what they're doing and reduce it to 10% and expect it to necessarily still be sustainable. Mm-hmm. Like that isn't always going to work. Point. The other challenge is that we also look at kind of the leaders in our industry and use that to set our expectations with that same kind of mental discounting in terms of what is possible in general. So look at the internet marketing quote unquote space. There are a handful of players, like literally count them on your fingers, a handful of players who are doing, you know, between probably 10 or 20 million a year. They're the biggest players in the industry. And, and it's even borderline whether you can say that they're really doing that because really they're running like 18 different businesses and 18 different niches. So it's not really that they've got a business doing, you know, 15, 20 million a year. But let's say that they are biggest players in our industry, 15, 20 million a year. And so we all do that mental discounting. We're like, well, if I get to one or two million, I'm doing amazing, mm-hmm. right? But then step outside of our little cottage industry. You know, if you go to a venture capitalist, you tell him the biggest player in this industry I want to go into is doing 20 million a year. He'll laugh at you. He'll say, what are you talking about? You know, if, if, if the biggest player in an industry isn't doing at least a billion dollars, I'm not interested, right? It, there's no opportunity there. And so it's really important to kind of pull your, your mind out of being so entrenched in this little cottage industry, this little bubble that cuts off your sense of what is really possible. And, and I'm not saying that everyone has to aspire to run a, a billion-dollar company, right? Someone told me once that was very, very wise that success looks different to different people. For some people, it's a laptop on the beach. For other people, it's a glass castle. And both are difficult to build, and the real tragedy is if you build the one that you don't even want. That would just really suck. So I'm fine with someone who says, you know what, I want to be making six figures, working 10 hours a week, enjoying my freedom. I have friends who do that, and I think that's great. What I do have a big problem with is people setting an artificially low ceiling on what is possible for them to conceive of just because of the frame of reference that they've chosen for themselves. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned the the billionaire thing. It's because um, the last few months I've spoken to a few different people. One of them, uh, we're talking about one of the top ClickBank products. And yeah, some of these guys often it's very affiliate driven. So you say, you know, you're doing twenty million dollars in sales. Fifty percent of that will go to the uh, affiliates. You might have another twenty percent that goes to the JV manager. Then you've got a little bit left over to pay the people on the team. Often it's a small team, so they might be bringing in anywhere from twenty to fifty thousand dollars a month each. You know, if it's a couple of founders or something like that. Um, but uh, you know, I I remember the days. You know, I, I might look at one of those guys and go, "Wow, ten million dollars a year—that's like, oh, that's like a million dollars a month. That's insane. Imagine what you could do with a million dollars a month." 
Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, it's it, it was recently actually. It was a few months ago. I remember hearing. I was like, man, that's it's actually not that. You know, you could do have a twenty million dollar business, and you might be bringing in as far as income goes twenty fifty twenty to fifty thousand dollars a month. That's a lot of money, but it's not. It's it's a far yeah, cry from what it seems like when you're doing ten exactly, million, twenty million dollars exactly. a year. Right? So I'm reading a book now called All the Money in the World. It's by I think it's by it's by the Forbes 400 or an, an author who's affiliated with them somehow. And it's about the, the 400 richest guys in the world and women, guys and girls. And uh, what's fascinating is just the scale that these guys play at and think at that makes it, it it's exactly like you're saying it makes you you know when, when I go back and look you know read that book and then go look at the internet marketing industry you see that this is so 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 small and if you want to actually play big like proper big the internet marketing industry is not the industry to be in it's a great industry to get in and you know live on the beach and do that and you can build a decent you know a decent sized business but if you want to start playing at like a hundred million dollar level and up you're going to need to be in a bigger market absolutely and, and the internet marketing space, the the online business, first of all, it's going to grow. I mean, it is going to grow. It's still very early days, but it's a great sandbox. It's a great place to learn how to do things and, and how business works. It does make you really sharp. But at some point, you know, if you're really looking to build something big, yeah, you've got to grow up and get out of the sandbox. <laughs> I like that way of looking at it. That's, uh, that's partly how I've, you know, I just came back from the States, actually, a marketing conference there. And uh, coming back, I remember thinking about sort of where do I want to be in a, you know, six months or a year or two years, five years, that sort of thing. And the, uh, the sort of the, the summary or the, the, the vision that I've sort of figured out so far is that build up the current business into a, a, a pretty a decent-sized business and then uh, use that to take bigger swings. Instead of going and building like a, a nice, uh, a nice you know, internet marketing business, like a membership site, for example, and then saying, oh, this business works. Let's go just make another one of these. Let's just copy this business, which mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of people do. Start going, well, no, let's use this as a platform to then go, how could you, you, know, how could you start playing in a, in a business which is in a like $100 million potential? And maybe you, you know, maybe you take a few swings, and maybe the first one you don't make any money. The second one, maybe you only, you know, you only hit ten. You're like, well, that wasn't a hundred million. But just the mere fact that you're playing in a different ball game, playing in a bigger field, which it's it's probably not going to be the internet marketing thing. But you've polished your skills there. You've got that platform, that that the cash flow, cash in the bank, all that sort of stuff. And then you take these bigger swings in bigger markets. To me, that's uh, that's what's getting me fired up right now. Thinking about that. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to continuing this conversation because I'm very much in the same kind of in the same space. And and the really cool thing is that, you know, kind of circling back to where we started this conversation, right? I mean, all these audience first methodologies that we teach mm. that we've used to launch multiple, you know, blockbuster, super successful products in the online marketing space. We're actually using the same process, the same methodology right now to develop and launch a software product. That is intended, like it's it's useful and relevant to people in our space in our industry, you know, which is useful because we can reach a lot of them. Mm. But it has a much much broader appeal. It lets us break way beyond the barriers of of this little bubble of a market that we're in. And I don't know that it's going to be a huge blockbuster success. I mean, whenever you take on a big project in business, there's if there isn't risk involved, you're not you're not taking on a big enough project. So it may not work out. But the cool thing is that these methodologies that you learn to apply at this scale, they usually do scale. They do work at different scales. And that's that's where it gets really exciting. Hmm. One thing that's really dawned on me recently is talking to, uh, we'll have to wrap it up in a second, but I was chatting to a friend here in, uh, in Chiang Mai, Thailand. And he's, you know, he's, uh, he's a very successful guy. And one thing that, that we've been chatting about is... Um, like in the internet marketing world, it's like, well, you know, if you want to make more money, you get better at split, split testing, pay, you know, buy more traffic, get your conversions higher, hire better copywriter, get a better video sales letter, all that stuff. But the, uh, you know, if you look at it, think about it from like an 80-20 perspective, look at like one, the, the, the one or two things, maybe the one thing that makes the biggest difference in everything you do. And in business, it's going to be the market that you're in. 
It's not the split mm-hmm. testing of the headline or the copywriter you hire or any of that stuff or even the offer. It's the audience that you go and try and help. Yeah, if you want to make more money, make something that more people want. Mm-hmm. Cool, man. Well, I think we're going to wrap it up here. But before we go, if, if the uh, listener wants to learn more about you, this has been a bit of a sort of a loopy sort of we've wound our way through a whole bunch of topics here. But if they, if they want to learn more about you and sort of what we've talked about here, especially the audience building stuff, where is the best place for them to go? Sure. Sometimes the loopy conversation is the most interesting one. So <laughs> uh, if, if anyone listening to this wants to learn more about me and my work at Firepole Marketing and the stuff that we do around audience building and engagement, um, if you go to firepolemarketing.com, that's fire, F-I-R-E, pole is P-O-L-E, so like you're sliding down a pole in the fire station, not you're standing at a street corner and asking questions, uh, marketing.com. We have a ton, like a huge metric ton of free, amazing content on the site. There's over 700 articles which are rich and in-depth and super valuable. We've got my book, Engagement from Scratch. It's an Am- it was a bestseller on Amazon for two years straight, so it's not like you know one of those PR stunts where it shot to the top of the charts and then dropped back down. It was up there for two years straight. It's got over 200 very, very positive reviews. So we give it away for free on the website. You can just go there, opt in, and get it. Um, there's a ton of great stuff there, so go check it out. And if anyone listening to this has any questions, I still am a little bit obsessive-compulsive about answering my email. So anyone who emails me, my personal email is uh, danny, D-A-N-N-Y, at firepolemarketing.com. If you have a question about anything that we talked about, if there's anything you think I can help you with, I will either respond to you in 24 hours, or if there's someone on my team who's just better equipped to help you, I will send it to them and they will get back to you within 24 hours but either way you'll hear back and hear back quickly so if i can help anyone i'm, I'm happy to and thanks for for having me on the show this was a lot of fun this is good man i'll have i'll have links to the uh to your site in the show notes at the mcmethod.com cool Hey everybody, thanks for listening. If you want to discover more insider tips, tricks, and secrets about driving sales with email marketing, sign up for daily email tips from the autoresponder guy. Go to dropdeadcopy.com slash podcast, sign up, confirm your email address, and I'll send you daily emails on how to improve your email marketing and make more sales via email. You'll find out why open rates don't matter and the seven-letter word that underlies all effective marketing and much more.